You're listening to the opening bell on 720 WGN. It's 549. Welcome back to the program. Another big food company is going cage-free with eggs. Mondelez International says it will use exclusively cage-free eggs in the U.S. and Canada by 2020 and in Europe by 2025. The Deerfield Company makes Oreo cookies, Nabisco biscuits, Cadbury chocolates, and a bunch of other products, too. McDonald's is up next to go cage-free. Crane's reporter Peter Frost has been writing about this, and he is with us on the opening bell. Peter, does this decision uh, mean the floodgates are going to be opening in a big way when it comes to this cage-free arena? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think once um, a company... The size of McDonald's makes its move, which it announced earlier just a few months ago um, that they would phase them out within a decade or so. If Once McDonald's makes a move, the entire supply chain changes. And so that paves the way for everyone else to be able to do this. Give us a sense of how, how many eggs that McDonald's buys. Why, they buy 2 billion eggs a year in the United States alone. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, they have 14,000 restaurants, a lot of people getting egg, egg McMuffins. Um, so it's crazy. It's a crazy amount. And, and like I said, you know, once once they decide to get the ball rolling, the whole supply chain has to change, right? Like all the farmers see McDonald's coming down the line saying, you know, we're going to do cage-free eggs by 2025 or 2026. So they, they have to make those changes. So, you know, naturally everyone else follows suit. But the idea of cage-free eggs is it's not really cage. I mean, the, you're, we're not giving these like chickens the entire yard to run around in are no, we no we're not we're not it's just you, you know if you see the cages that they're in today they, they can't even turn around really right they're tiny by moving to cage free they're still not you know they're not roaming around they're still very confined here it's just that it's not as tight of a cage as they were in before is this just because people uh, the animal rights uh, people have made their uh, traction on this and that they've convinced consumers that somehow these animals are being mistreated and and that's bad for your food yeah i think so well animal rights i mean clearly this was all this was all brought about by the animal rights groups and and once the everyday consumers started seeing the pictures of these chickens who are inside these cages where they can barely turn around or can't turn around i think that resonates with everyone uh, so, and it's also, there's also sort of a health halo around cage-free eggs. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. And I don't know if that's scientifically proven out. But I, I think, you know, this, especially the millennials, this next generation of consumers are very concerned about where their food comes from uh, and, you know, how the animals are treated. So uh, it started by the animal rights groups and now it's the general consumer is starting to demand this. And that was my next question is, that, is there any science that shows that these eggs are any better for you or that they're any healthier or that the chickens understand what's going on to them, you know, what's happening to them? Any science at all? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wish I could answer that question, but I just, I frankly do not know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, and I don't either. And, and we talked to Orion Samuelson, who is our ag expert here, about this. And, and when you think about all of the food that these farmers and suppliers have to raise for the entire world, at some point there has to be sort of a lowering of the cage size or they just can't continue to be caged-free and, and with now livestock and cattle graze-free or whatever you want to call it with them. There is going to be an issue here in the future, right? Or no? You know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, if you, you know, I'm, I'm from a small town in Minnesota, and so there's a lot of available land. <laughs> you know, I mean, there there is plenty of room for for more chicken barns. I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, I think the reason they went to cages in the first place is because you know it was more efficient, and uh, you can you can control these these you know these animals a little bit better. I think there's plenty of room. Um, you know, when you move over to beef, that's a different story. 
if you want to move all the free-range beef, there's there's not enough supply in the United States right now. What kind of impact is this having on companies? Like a company like Mondelez or now Target has decided to do this. Are they seeing a bump in their stock prices? Are they seeing profits go up when they do this and, no. and more? No, no, no. This is just something they got to do. I mean, it's if if they don't if they don't do it or if they don't make a decision to do it, then they're going to be left behind. So this isn't you know if they make an announcement like this, this isn't doing nothing. It's doing nothing for their stock price. It's probably doing you know very little to their revenue. It's more or less a you know uh, a protection over you know being left behind. And what it really does too is add the, to the cost to the farmers. You mentioned that earlier. Far the, the people who are raising these animals, there's going to be a real cost to them. Sure, know? absolutely, absolutely, and they, and they're going to charge more. To get it, you know, to to sell those products as well. Mondelez, for example, um, you know, which just announced uh, that they were going cage free uh, by 2020 in the United States. They said that they're going to be helping the farmers or helping the supply chain uh, to do that. So, you know, I think companies are are in, are incentivizing uh, these farmers a little bit more and the supply chain people so that they are able to make the required investment to be able to, you know, meet the demand. It is amazing how the uh, the impact that the animal rights groups have had on this, uh, just by showing a couple of pictures of chickens that are skinny, skin and bones, uh, and they're laying, you know, these eggs and they're unhealthy. What kind of impact are, are they having, you know, on other areas? Well, I think you're seeing it in um, uh, in beef with hogs, you know, hog confinement crates. That's been a huge issue for the animal rights groups. And that's changed. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies moving away from those gestation crates for the South. So they're, they're you know, so they, they have a little bit more room to roam. I, you know, you're seeing it all throughout the food chain, though. It's not just animals. I mean, the animal rights groups, of course, are having this uh, this huge impact on all of the uh, – uh, the meats, the proteins that were sold, but there's there's also a big movement going on on the other side, you know, with with crops and GMOs, and there's an, there's another one where the science isn't really proved out. Are GMOs really not good for you? I mean, who knows? There's there's no proven scientific evidence. It's just people see this thing and they say, well, it's a genetically modified organism, therefore it must not be good for me. It must, you know, it's quack science or whatever. Um, there's just food in general right now. I, I think I mentioned this before, but the, the the younger crowd, the people under age 35, are are really concerned about where their food comes from. They want to know this. It's it's like it's it's almost like a snapback from the last generation when everyone in the United States sort of ate a bunch of processed food and they all got you know there's a lot of obesity, there's a lot of diabetes and other and heart disease, and I think these millennials, this younger group, sees this and they, and they're snapping back to the to to you know a more traditional older style of food slow food um you know clean ingredients not processed that sort of thing along with those millennials with what you just said there's a, not an understanding of of how the global food thing works and and with growing population uh, there has to be some give and take somewhere, right? I mean, oh yeah, definitely on the grain side. Yeah. I mean, on the protein side, it's a little bit different. I think they, you know, there's a little more wiggle room there. But on the grain side, there's only so much field that you can farm. Cranes Chicago business reporter Peter Frost with us on the opening bell this morning. You can find him on Twitter at Peter Frost.